0: ESPN 94.1 FM and 8.930 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now, never you. <laughs> It is Tuesday, May 5th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original white beer. We're taking your phone calls all throughout this hour, but we're also getting your comments. Twitter today, at PaulSwan. That's the best place to find me today. Baseball's back. It's not Major League Baseball, but baseball is back. Good news. Marshall Baseball alum, former Major Leaguer Dan Straley. He is right now with the Latte Giants in South Korea. They're playing baseball in South Korea. Now, I don't know if you're getting up early for this. I'm not. But Straley, he pitched 5.2 innings, gave up three hits, two runs, three walks, had four strikeouts. And guess what? The Giants did get the victory, 7-2. to two. So, baseball's back. I still don't know if I'm into it just yet, just because, again, it's, it's like watching the Ocho the other day. And that was fun. You have all the most insane sports possible. At least South Korea, this is more of a legitimate product. But it's still, to me, almost—it's maybe a step up in just trying to want to watch something. I'm not saying this is bad. It's not bad quality. I'm saying I think I only watch the Ocho on ESPN because— It was interesting, and it interested me for maybe a little bit. Marble racing, for example. We're at that point now where we're grasping at everything. Of course, NASCAR is coming back soon, so we're going to have that. That's going to be at least a nice distraction. Dana White wants to fight anywhere and everywhere he possibly can. Eventually, Fight Island is going to be a thing. But we have baseball and, of course, ESPN's jumping on board with that because they need programming, they need content, and they need it yesterday. So maybe that's going to be a good example. You follow this a little bit further and you figure out what does this do? How do you replicate this? How do you have baseball in the United States without fans? What do you do? And, of course, we don't know what this schedule is going to look like. NFL, they're going to release their schedule on Thursday. Yeah, NFL's releasing the schedule. We're going to find out if the NFL goes as planned, what the schedule looks like. I think they should hold on to that schedule, to be honest with you. Hang on to it a little bit because you don't know what the game plan is going to be. But they're going to probably flex some of that. They're going to look at college football, see if college football is going to be ready to go. We don't have college football games. You're going to flex some of those games into Saturday from the NFL. So I would hold on that schedule just a little bit. But with that said, it's going to give us something to talk about on Thursday. So we'll look forward to it. And, of course, we'll have those Bengals games for you all season long right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, with a lot of things soft reopening, however long that takes is going to be anybody's guess. But – With things that are starting to open up a little bit, you have an opportunity now for the Thundering Herd, the Big Green, to start getting back into events, fundraising. Some of that's going to start picking up. And so, as of right now, Big Green, the event at the Greenbrier, moving forward, they don't have the full calendar yet of what's going to happen, but they've got some at least some rescheduling. Coaches' tour stops. They're planning on three that I know of. Four seasons and Princeton Bluefield coaches' stop. That's going to be on July 10th. The Southern Coalfields coaches' tour stop. That is going to be July 20th. The Point Pleasant Gallup Police coaches' tour stop, that's going to be on the 24th of July. And so we'll keep an eye on those dates, see when and if they stay with that schedule or if they have to move them around. But the Big Green trying to get back to some sort of rhythm. And does that mean if you have coaches' tour stops, does that mean you're closer to actually playing football? That's a big question. I think that's a question that needs to be answered, and you don't have consistency from any of the other conferences. The conferences, no consistency whatsoever. Each conference, its own serfdom, its own kingdom, its own city-state, each conference is its own entity. And there seems to be some consensus, but not 100%. Maybe the dates look the same. Maybe they don't. SEC, they're going to do whatever they do. They'll do what they do. They're going to do the SEC. And so we've got a lot of that to get into, and we will. But as we've been talking about, virtual conference media days, that's going to be a thing. It's not going anywhere. It's probably going to be the new norm, or at least moving forward, I think this is going to be how media days are going to be presented And so Conference USA adding their name to the list. We just knew that was happening. We just didn't have a date or confirmation, but we knew it was happening. And so Conference USA going to be moving to a virtual event as they get ready for their football kickoff and their media days. They don't have a date yet. They're just announcing this, that we're going to go virtual. We don't have a date just yet. Stay tuned. Again, I think a lot of that's going to play into what the logistics look like. Are you going to have coaches on a Zoom conference call? How are you going to do that? Because I think if you're looking to really, I think if you're looking to help the media out, you should do more of these things. Media Day. You can have a conference call. You can ask coach questions. You can ask players questions. You can do all that. I mean, this might be the way it goes in the future. The expense is going to be the issue. The expense is going to be the issue here for media days going forward because you're putting a lot of money, time, and energy into putting one of these together, and how many members of the media really show up? How many members of the media do you see a – an overwhelming response from the media that cover each of the Conference USA member institutions. I mean, How much national media do you have? How much regional media do you have? And so I'm interested to see what this looks like and how this plays out. I mean, it'll be a fun event for the fans. Sure, it's going to be fun. If you're still sheltering in place at home or if you are in West Virginia at least safer at home and you're looking at some of this stuff, you're— not back to work just yet, or you're not in a spot where you can work. Yeah, this is going to be a nice distraction for a lot of people. And it's still that rhythm, the rhythm of, okay, college football, we're going to go through the motions. We're going to practice social distancing. We're going to follow good health guidelines, but we're moving forward. We're motioning forward and forward. Don't know if college football is going to be back on time. I think the question is not if, but when. That's the fair question. Not if, but when. When will college football be back? When will college athletics be back? That is going to be the question because, honestly, it makes too much money. Too much money is being made, and you got to find a way to go out and play. Of course, you're going to put fan safety, and I would think player safety, in front of everything else. And that's the question. How are you guaranteeing the safety of players? Not necessarily fans, players. Fans, of course, that's the obvious one. With players, you're playing against a different team. At the end of the day, you're going up against a group of people who you haven't been in contact with. You don't know where they've been. And the same can be said for fans. But you are looking at a situation where you're bringing in a group of individuals from another state to play football, and have those players been quarantined? Have they been tested? And that's going to be the big challenge here. But right now, that's what college football looks like. We're going through the motions. We're figuring out how to do this stuff, how to start ramping back up. With the Big Green, they're going to be ramping events up. How does social distancing, how does safe guidelines play into this? Are you going to be six feet apart from everybody? Will you be asked to wear a mask? That might be the new norm. Again, events like this, you're required to wear a mask. And the hope is everyone wears the mask to to lessen contact. I mean, that's the thing. I could wear a mask all day, but if you're not wearing a mask, I'm helping you out more than you're helping me out. So that's going to be interesting to me to see what happens as we get closer and closer and closer to these events. How big of a venue will that be to host these? Because – you don't want to have a coach's tour for maybe 10 donors, unless they're really heavy hitter donors. Unless they're writing really big checks, you don't want to have an event just for 10 or 20. But Four Seasons, um, Princeton Bluefield, uh, Southern Calfields, um will be coming up. The Point Pleasant, Gallup Police, all of that's coming up, and uh, we'll keep an eye on all of that. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about, of course, our daily subject of what's happening in sports and how sports and the pandemic go hand-in-hand right now. We'll do that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Guests with Paul Swan appear via the Miller Lite phone lines. So we've been talking about when college athletics might start back up. What's the target date? What's it going to look like? Is there a date? Is there a line that once you cross that line, you start pushing college athletics back? Well. You really can't get associated—you really can't get athletic directors to maybe agree everyone's trying to take care of their best interest. And and then you put the question, the conferences. You really can't get all the conferences to agree. But it seems at least they agree on something. About six weeks to prepare for team activities. I think that's fair. Six weeks. They're going to need— That time to get everything in shape, get everything in order, get the players acclimated once again. Because these players have been sitting out, and of course, you know coaches, they missed that springtime. Some schools got it in, some schools wait too late, some schools got a little bit of it in. And I think the schools that got some of it in, or got a little bit more of it in than, say, a Marshall, are going to benefit. Because Marshall didn't get anything in, as far as actually on the field. But... Can you bring these kids back safely? And it seems that July 15th, that's been floated out there as that's a possible date. If the season's to start on time, the six-week window would place what is described as the drop-dead date for return to team activities, July 15th. And that seems to be the date that they're talking about internally and even a little bit of a public drop here now and then. But July 15th, so that's the target date. We're going to circle that date now. If we're going to see college football return on time, and it doesn't mean we're going to see fans playing the role of supporter out in the stands. We don't don't mean that. We mean kids on the field playing a game. When do you start that on time? July 15th is the drop dead date for the return of team activities. If not, it's going to it's going to push back athletics. The thing here is I don't think you're going to see that be the hey here we are. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen because you've got some athletic directors and you've got some conferences that are doing their own thing. I mean, the SEC, they said last week that, you know what, conferences might make their own decisions on when and whether to play football. So... Conference USA might decide, you know what? The best interest of Conference USA, we're just going to play a little bit later, and we're going to play a conference schedule only. I don't see that happening just yet. You don't make that announcement. But the SEC could say, okay, we're just going to play conference games. We're going to play our games. There you go. ACC, Big Ten, everybody, we're just going to play our own games. We're going to play what we want to do because – well, it doesn't seem like the NCAA is really in charge here. Are they? Are they not? They put their guidelines out. And the NCAA, can you imagine the NCAA trying to wrangle everyone together and say, all right, this is what it's going to look like? And you can't. You cannot. You can't put it together. You cannot build consensus. You cannot unify. The NCAA is doing none of that. The NFL they have got a unified front for the most part because the NFL is going to basically say this is the deal. I mean, they're releasing schedules on Thursday. Here it is. Here's the NFL schedule. And they're going to stick to those guns until probably the very end. And then they're going to stick to those guns even further probably. Okay, we're going to have to push back. We're going to have to play only 10 games, 12 games. 16 games, impossible. I don't think so. The NFL. But at this point, we'll have an idea of what's going to look like. Will there be a situation where we're playing in front of empty stadiums? Empty stadiums, empty fan bases, everything. It's all going to be empty. But the NFL can do it. With college athletics, I don't think they can do it as well because you've got so many people running so many organizations and so many conferences. I mean, It's not as if you can just say, all right, this is what it's going to look like. Adjust your schedule accordingly. Because, again, you get serfdoms and city-states. I mean, it's like feudal times. Every athletic department, an entity upon itself, and the conference is going to say one thing. The States are going to say one thing. Because, after all, we're not talking about private entity here. We're not talking about the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL. And Gary Bettman, I was reading some of his comments. They still want to go, but I give Bettman credit. He said, look, we're not going to race to be the first out. We're going to do it right. And if that means we're not going to be the first one out of the gate, so be it. It's pretty much what he's saying. And I get that. They're trying to recoup a lot of money as well. They're trying to figure out what it's going to take to put what is left of the season, if possible, together and then play the playoffs. Because it's going to come down to lots of money. And then they're the option of, okay, do we take the hit? We try to get some of this back. Or do we move things forward? We're going to take a hit, but at least we can get going and just take some of the damage of this now or later because you're going to have to push back season tickets. You're going to have to push back corporate sponsorship. A lot of entities are going to want credits. A lot of entities are going to just say, okay, we got our play. We're good. A lot of entities are going to want carryover. A lot of entities are going to say, look, no, we want specific things you did onto the contract. We want money back. I mean, that's the good thing about at least on the professional side of this – they can make those deals a little better than, say, over 100 Division One schools and several conferences, and that's just Division one, then you got one double-A. And then you go down further and further and further. Everybody's got a different arrangement whatsoever. So college athletics, I think, is going to be really piecemeal. But the target date is going to be July 15th. It's a made-up target date only because I don't think that they can hit it. And if I'm wrong, okay, I'm good with that. I'm totally happy to be wrong. But if you can get to that target date, that means you've got a lot of testing. You have got a very low infection rate. And you've got a solid plan. Get them on the field. How are you going to keep them safe? Are you going to quarantine these kids before they get on the field? Are you going to test everyone before they get on the field? And you're going to have to. You're going to test. And then will they be in quarantine? Will they be in isolation so they don't risk getting infected? And then you're going to have to retest. You can't just test them once and say, okay, you're good. You're going to have to retest and, of course, check for symptoms. And if you're asymptomatic, are you going to be able to be detected Without that test, I mean, you can't just do the thermometer test and go, okay, you have a fever. you got to go over to the side here. You're, you're done for the day. You're going to have to constantly test and test and test. And if the testing supply allows that, then that's one thing. But then you're going to put your kids in a situation where they're playing a different group of kids. And are those kids being tested? And, of course, the answer is going to be yes. It has to be Yes. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It has to be yes. Those kids will have to go through the same stringent procedures that everyone else is having on your team. That's where we're at right now. And again, as as I've honestly told you, we don't know. We don't know because every day is a new adventure. 877-420-TALK, 877 420 We've got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN, 94.1 FM at AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. A couple items going on today that uh, might impact Marshall basketball as we get closer to actually having a season, if that's a possibility. The NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Committee announcing that beginning with the upcoming season, the NCAA evaluation tool will replace the ratings percentage index, that is the RPI. The NET is going to replace the RPI as the sorting tool used to measure a team's quality. And, quote, help evaluate team resumes for selection and seating in the Division I Women's Basketball Championship. So, here we go. We're going to the net. Not the RPI, the net. I think it was going to happen. I don't think you should have the RPI for one and the net for other. It's going to be either the net or the RPI. And... Looking at this report from the NCAA, after an analysis of women's basketball statistical data, which was conducted over a 10-year period, and Google was involved with this, Google Cloud, a the team there, the Division I Women's Basketball Committee concluded that the net algorithm built exclusively for women's basketball was an optimal ranking tool and should be used beginning with the coming season. So they've got a tool. They're going to use the net, and it's going to be what we go with forward. Now, how will the net change your perception if you are seeding? Well, I think you're going to have uh, some different dynamics, some different numbers to work with, some different metrics to go with. Remember, Conference USA with PodPlay came up with this system trying to boost the RPI, and then NCAA says, that's great, but we're now using the net. And I think Conference USA didn't adjust properly. Because I think pod play has been a mixed bag. It's been a limited bag for me. And Marshall, they get hot, and then they got to play pod two. And I thought Marshall was peaking. And I don't want to dredge up that old wound, which is still really full for really fresh, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I think the RPI is probably going to be—I um, mean, it's it's going to be a nice tool. I kind of want to compare the two. I'd like to see how teams look with the net, with the RPI. And then when we get to an actual situation as far as success, I mean, which one's going to be the better predictor? Which one's going to have a better idea of— What's going to happen? I mean, that's what I'm looking at as well. But we're going to go with the net, and that just makes more sense. And I would love to get Tony Kemper on here in the next few weeks. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm sure he can give me five or ten minutes. I'm going to work him in the schedule. We're going to get him in here, and he can tell me a little bit more about what he thinks this is going to do, how this helps, how this might hurt, what's going to be the advantage here for his team to work under the net. And really, it just comes down to this: when As I hit the microphone here, it's pretty noisy. All right, that's annoying. Just win. That's it. That's all you have to do. Win. Win games. Win a lot of games. Win your conference tournament. That's all you worry about. Win. Win games. But the net's pretty good. It's It's a good predictor, I think. It was really interesting to just watch Marshall as far as the resume is concerned quantify a little bit more. I mean, it's easy to go out there and say, okay, a team has won 30 games. Where do those wins come from? What's the level of competition? What's the quality there? And I think the net maybe does a better job. Again, I'm not a numbers crunch guy. I'm not that guy when it comes to these basketball analytics because everybody's got basketball analytics, not just the net, the RPI. Everybody's got some sort. Ken Palm has got his own system here, which is – is well-regarded. A lot of systems in place here. But at the end of the day, you, you want to win. That's it. That's all you have to do. Focus on winning, and I think you've got it. All right, we're going to come back with our final segment, The Drive, here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Final segment of The Drive here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. So we've been talking a little bit about how the NFL is going to get this thing done. How will the NFL play? And with the schedule coming out on Thursday, I don't know if we're going to actually see maybe a game plan, how will the NFL plans on playing these games, what, of course, restrictions are going to look like, will fans be involved, and I don't think fans are going to be involved, but... I'm not the NFL, and I'm not the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins, they think fans can be involved. They've got a plan, and I've got a copy of it. So here's where it begins. Hard Rock Stadium, capacity 65,000. The plan is to allow more, no more. The 15,000 fans, so sixty-five thousand capacity, 15,000 fans are going to be in attendance in any given time. Now, you know if you've gone to an NFL game or any game, period, but more so the NFL game, it's a sea of humanity at times. How do you control the people get in? How do you do that? And so entrances are going to be altered. So half the doors are going to be open. Entrances altered, so only half the doors will be open. Fans are going to have to stand in line six feet apart upon entering the venue. So six feet apart in line. Well, that's still going to be a long line, right? Yes, it is going to be a long line. But you're going to have security personnel. They're going to manage the crowd. They're going to have them enter in rows. Won't be a free-for-all. It's going to be you're lining up. You want in, this is how you're getting in. If you want in, this is how you do it. And so, now, you're organizing how they get in. You're going to pre-book your time. You want to pre-book your arrival time. How, how do you do that? Well, you're probably going to have an app, maybe. But you're going to pre-book your arrival time. So, you check in around this time. So... Kickoff's at 1. You're going to check in at 11.30. So your arrival time is 11.30. You can stand around all you want. You'll do it over there because you're not getting in this line until it's your time. So you don't lose your spot in line. So you don't have to sit there for multiple hours waiting. You will get there at your scheduled time. That's actually not a terrible idea, but still... You know people, they don't follow directions. You you know people don't follow directions. And so you pre-book your time. Here's what else they're going to do. This is what they're talking about. What's one of the big problems in having a lot of people in a football stadium? Well, one, you're sitting right on top of each other. You're going to minimize that. You're going to limit how many people can get in. And so what's next? Concession stands. you got to make money. I'm going to want a $7 16-ounce beverage. I'm going to want a $4 hot dog with no sauce. I'm going to want these overpriced concessions because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. So you can't just have me rolling around the concourse. You can't just have me roaming the stadium like that because I could be a plague carrier. Well, we got you covered here. So now, instead of you outside in the concourse, missing the game, by the way, waiting for your overpriced popcorn, peanuts, and Cracker Jacks, sorry, wrong sport, now, and this has happened in stadiums before, and it's going to continue, and it's going to be probably the new thing, that you're going to utilize an order and pickup system. Yeah, that's right. It will notify people from their seats when their order is ready. So really, I'm going to place an order, and then I'm going to go pick it up. That's what it sounds like to me. You know what? That's brilliant. Instead of me going to the concession stand, and I'm sitting there, I'm standing there, I'm in line, I'm waiting. Some stadiums are better than others, so I can watch the game on the TV if you're At a college football stadium, depending on where you're at, concourses aren't as nice at some stadiums, depending on where you sit as well, the concourse might be not as good as the upper echelon concourse, you're at the basic concourse, that's right, you're at the basic level concourse, asphalt, concrete, here's your your booth, what do you want? Now, you know what, I'm going to place my order and then when it's ready, I'm just gonna pick it up. That's it. It's like I'm, it's like I'm going to Chipotle or something. I'm gonna pick my order up. It's like I'm going to Firehouse Subs. I'm just gonna pick my, pick my sub up. It's like I'm pulling up at the drive thru Hi, I got a mobile order in. What's your name? That's brilliant. So now I don't have to fool with waiting in line. I just go and pick up my mobile order. Here you go. And I'm sure it's going to be an app, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it might be free for the first time. But I wouldn't put a surcharge on that. I mean, you're you're already getting a, a lot of cash. And, of course, you'll tie this into your credit card. And if you don't have cash on you, don't worry. We've got you covered. You'll pay through the app. I mean, that's that's awesome, actually. I'm not saying this is what I want to see happen right now, but... What if this is the way we go? In the future, we go this way. You figure out how to do this. You you keep your fans safe. You keep your concourses at least as much as possible, congestion-free, no loitering. And by the way, I would enforce that strictly. No, uh, no loitering whatsoever. None of that. I'm not going to have that. Instead, if you need to be in the concourse, you can be there. You need to go to the restroom. You can be in the concourse. Are you leaving? Then you can be in the concourse. Are you picking up your food and your drink? You can be in the concourse. Do you want to hang out with Uncle Sal for 15 minutes and talk about things instead of watching the game? You're not doing that unless you and Sal are six feet away sitting in your seats or however they're going to do that, you can have that conversation elsewhere. No loitering. I I would keep the concourse as free as possible of traffic. You might see that if this works, you might see this pick up at other NFL venues. You might see this trickle all the way down to where this is commonplace. Not it's It's an added amenity. First time I went to a Columbus Blue Jackets game, I got really good seats. Let me tell you, I was sitting up in the uh, the upper corners. I'm not bragging, but they were good seats, and it was it was fantastic because I had the machine in front of me, and that was really my first venue where I got to actually try that technology out, and ordering from my screen and they bring it to me. Now, I was sitting in the better seats, so they were going to bring it to me. It was it was more intimate. But how about I'm on my phone now, and you know what? What do you want? I want a couple of hot dogs. I want a couple of Cokes. Plop. There it is. Boom. Okay. I've got a notification. My my stuff's ready. I'm going to go get it. And that's going to be probably where it goes for the next foreseeable future. We're going to get to that point where now we're just placing our orders. Placing on orders. That they can say, I mean, there still might be a walk. Maybe there will be a walk-up. I don't think you can eliminate that totally. Because, let's be honest, not everybody has a smartphone. You might think they do, but they don't. So we're doing that now. I'm ordering, I'm ordering tickets online with my phone. I'm ordering everything else. I'm paying with my phone. And now I'm at the football stadium. I've got the official app. I'm ordering that $9 hot dog and that $7, 16-ounce beverage, and I'm good, and here I am, pick it up, go back to my seat, maybe upcharge that. I don't know. Maybe that's the way we go. Maybe you have – it's probably impossible now, but you have smaller venues in the future, or you have more spacious venues. Science. We're sciencing this thing right now because we need to get back to sports. And that's, I mean, because can you imagine having people just, can you have Uber for a car? Can you have Grubhub for your food? Can you have Stadium Hub for your your concession stands? I don't know. That'd be something. You're at Jonesia with Stadium and you're you're hungry and you want to, by the way, the hot dogs, the new hot dogs they have, they're excellent. Get one of those new hot dogs, order that on the app and go pick it up. Don't have to wait in line. Don't miss much action. You just show up, pick it up. You mean direct, basically, and they they spread that out so they're not having forty five people come slam the, at the same time. It's like here, your order's ready. Come get it, pick it up. Thanks. I don't know why we didn't think about this sooner, but you know what? That could be the new that could be the new arms race as far as how to serve the fans best, how to make the concession stands and all of that. Healthy, sanitary, social distancing, make you feel comfortable coming into a game. I mean, that's where we're going with this. I believe that 100%. And the Dolphins, they came up with this, and that's just brilliant. And that's going to do it for this edition. Appreciate you tuning in. We're going to do it all over again tomorrow on day 554 of this this quarantine and everything we're under. Back tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.